Welcome to the Well Women Co. podcast, and thanks for tuning in to the Word First series, a series of short weekly Bible studies to build up your faith and refresh your soul to live in freedom, joy, and peace. The storm is raging around us, and without an anchor for a soul, we'll find ourselves tossed to and fro by the latest controversy or conspiracy. We're not promised the kind of peace the world craves, which is described as tranquil and free of conflict. However, the Father does promise to give a peace that cannot be taken away no matter the circumstance we find ourselves in. John 1 reveals that Jesus was the Word, and that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is still the Word today, and His Spirit that dwells inside of us brings the words we read on the pages alive in our hearts. Word First series is the practice of cultivating a lifestyle in which we look to Him first to satisfy us, fulfill our desires, and provide for us and guide for us. A word first lifestyle is knowing how to apply his living words in our everyday lives and deepening our trust in God to keep his promises. My desire for you is to find this place of refuge in the Father and from the place of security in Jesus, walk in greater levels of authority and steadfast purpose throughout your days. If your soul is weary or sad, if you're stuck in the middle waiting for promises to be fulfilled, if you feel confused as to where you're headed, you're in the right place. So thanks for joining us in this Word First series. Let's dig in. Today's episode is sponsored by our free Six Steps to a Miracle Morning Guide. This beautiful and short ebook is my secret miracle morning routine that I do every morning, okay, almost without fail. Since implementing these six simple steps each morning, I get more done. I respond versus react when things don't go as planned. I reach my goals quicker and with ease, and I live each day with clarity and intention about how I can fulfill my purpose each day. The best part is that I've learned how to engage my faith and activate the Word of God. Not only am I accomplishing more of what matters, I'm becoming more like the woman I want to be. Each step is simple, takes only a few minutes, and putting them all together feels like magic. So grab your free guide at wellwomenco.com or in today's show notes. Get your free six steps to a miracle morning guide ebook download right on your computer or device at wellwomenco.com or in the show notes. I promise if you don't already, you're going to love mornings again. Become who God created you to be and do the stuff you're called to do. Grab your free guide now at wellwomenco.com or in the show notes. Welcome back to another Word First episode of the Well Women Co. podcast. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever heard the phrase, have your cake and eat it too? I have as well. And there's this idea in our culture that we can have it all. If it feels right for us, it is. Moderation and temperance is displaced with burnt out pleasure centers in our brains. And for many of us, we can satisfy our cravings pretty easily, right? Even if that craving is simply for more knowledge or endless research on a particular topic. I have so been there with my health journey. I mean, you can Pinterest, you can Google a million different applications for whatever ailment you're facing. And it's like, if this one doesn't work, you try the next one. If you don't like what this one says or suggests, then you look for another one. It's this endless crave and thirst for knowledge that in the day and age we live in, we actually have access to if we choose. 
And we live in a physical world on top of that. So therefore, our five senses can easily take the driver's seat. We're given an earth suit called a body. And this body is a gift, don't get me wrong, to live this life and experience to the fullest. The way that the Father demonstrates his love for us, he uses our five senses a lot. I mean, think about an amazing meal with friends or an extravagant gift given by a significant other or swimming in the ocean. My family and I recently took a trip to Florida and it was the first time that our five-year-old saw and swam in the ocean. And it was so fun to experience that with her, just seeing the vastness, seeing the color, like there's no other color that can compare with ocean water, right? And all the creatures that are in the ocean, there's something about being in the ocean that like awakens this eternal thing inside of us. And it's so beautiful. And because we live in bodies and we have our five senses, we can actually enjoy that. If you think about having enough money in the bank account to pay bills, like those are all really wonderful things. And these all require our five senses. And as believers in Christ, our five senses are not the ultimate authority. We don't live by the creed that I am what I feel, which is what we see in culture around us, right? It's like, well, I feel like I miss sexual orientation, so therefore I am. Or I feel like I deserve X, Y, Z, so therefore this is now not just what I desire, but this is actually part of my identity. So rather, again, as believers, we are who God says we are, and we live within the safety of his eternal boundaries. So if we go back to the Garden of Eden, we actually get a glimpse of the boundaries he ordained for us as children of God. His word and his boundaries actually set us apart. So although we live in the world, we're not of it. Maybe you've heard that scripture in the Bible before. But let's face it, it's challenging to live it out and not be tempted to compromise with the mixture of the world system. But it says in Psalm 139, 16, which you hear me talk a lot about on this podcast, that you have been set apart before the foundation of the world to know, love, and serve God. There's actually a book written all about you. If you don't believe me, go look up Psalm 139, 16. It talks about this book that has been written about you and your life and every one of your days before your mother even brought you forth into this world. It says in Galatians 1.15, When he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. So if you're in a moment right now in your life where you're like, I don't even know if God hears me. I don't know if he is listening to my cries. You have to know that the truth is that he actually set you apart before you were even born. And he called you by his grace. What does that mean? It means that he sees you as a set-apart one. He sees you as someone to represent and actually carry the kingdom of heaven here on earth so that other people will know that they have the same access to this love, to this hope of glory, to escape the corruption in the world. Like there is hurt, there is pain, there is confusion all around us and people are looking and dying for something that is true and something that will not fail like so much knowledge does, right? Like people fail us, like circumstances fail us. They're looking for the truth. And the only way that they'll find it is if if you and I take up our royal identities in Christ and actually live in the world, like we're not these weirdos 
leaving out in the boonies and just making sure that all our needs are taken care of. But we just live in such a way in our everyday lives that's just set apart. It's a little bit different than how the world does things. And then that is like the city on the hill, right? That people can see, hey, something's different about her. Something's different about her demeanor, her attitude, her lifestyle. And I don't know what it is, but I need that. That right there is one of the fruit of being set apart. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. So as we dive deeper into this episode, we are going to cover what does it mean to be set apart? What are the loving boundaries God's given us to live in? And what's the result when we live set apart? So let's dive in. The first question, what does it mean to be set apart? So all set apart really means, if you look at some of the some of the original language in the Bible, um, to be holy means to be set apart. And so they are pretty much one and the same. Set apart means holy and holy means set apart. In 1 Peter 1.15, it says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So right off the bat, that can be a little intimidating, right? Because I know myself, I know that I have not reached perfection. Again, just ask my husband or ask my daughter. I've not reached perfection. So then what the heck does this verse mean? Be holy because I am holy. Well, don't get it twisted. Holy does not mean religious or pious or means I never make a mistake. But being holy, it actually means that we are receiving. Remember, it all goes back to being a better receiver. It means that we have believed and we've actually received the new life and the new creation that Jesus gives us when we accept him and confess that he is our Lord. It means that now our DNA is no longer to do evil. It means that we have the same DNA of our spiritual father when we're born again. So this is really good news because what happens when we accept Christ, our spirit is renewed, right? But then we have this body and we have this mind that needs to catch up and get up to speed of the reality of what just happened in our spirits. But we have to remind our brains and we have to remind our bodies that no longer do we do what we used to do. It's like, just like you have DNA from your mom and dad, your earthly mother and father, they pass down certain genes and certain traits to you, right? And some of those things, it's just you have your legs are a certain length, you, you know, your smile is a certain way, you have certain characteristics about you that are just because of who your mom and dad are, right? Well, the same thing happens when we're born again. We actually have the same DNA as our spiritual father. And this is really, really good news. Again, in 1 Peter 1.23, it says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living, enduring word of God. So if you're tracking with me, we're in this word first series, right? And the reality is that we've been born again, not of like our mom and dad's seed that comes together, but of the imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. So there's this connection between like Jesus is the word. He breathed out the word. He became the word. And now we have this book and this 
not just like book, but list these living words recorded in the Bible that we have access to at any time. And when we consume it, it actually like activates this DNA. If you've heard, if you're nerdy like I am and you like health stuff, maybe you've heard of this word called epigenetics. And epigenetics, and again, if you are a nurse or a doctor, I could get this a little off so you can write me and that's fine. But epigenetics essentially is like how your genes are expressed. And so what that means is even if your mom and dad passed down to you some unfavorable genes, epigenetics means that you actually have some control over how these genes are expressed. And if you have certain um, orientations toward a disease or sickness, through the lifestyle that you choose to live out, you can actually turn off some of these bad genes and turn on simultaneously the good genes that lead to better, more vibrant health. And this is the the study of epigenetics, how we actually have input. So it's not just like, well, whatever mom and dad gave me, like, I guess it's my lot. If my mom has breast cancer, I guess I'm going to get breast cancer too. No, we actually, and science is backing this up, have a lot more control than we previously thought based on our lifestyle, which is so powerful. And so it's kind of the same thing with the word of God. It's like epigenetics. The father has given us his spiritual DNA. And it's like, as we read the word of God, similarly to epigenetics in the physical, if I get good sleep, if I eat nourishing foods, if I eat my, if I move my body consistently and practice good soul care management, then I'm going to turn off those bad genes and turn on the good genes. Well, it's the same thing with the word of God. When we digest the word, study the word, it's like we are flipping on all these amazing genes, these amazing gifts that God has already given us, but it's like it awakens us inside of us. 1 Peter 2.9 says, For you are a chosen people, you are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. So I'll just back up for a second and say I encourage you, again, this is word for a series, so sometimes there's like some study application, right? Go back to your Bible and read 1 Peter 1 and 1 Peter 2. It's so powerful and it will help you to sort of marinate on some of these truths. But again, in the beginning, I said, remember, like being set apart is for one of the purposes so that we can escape the darkness of this world and come into the wonderful light so that we can show others the goodness of God. Being set apart also doesn't mean that we are in this exclusive club per se and that we like reject and stiff arm everyone else, right? It's actually the exact opposite. When we recognize and begin to live set apart and his special people, like we realize who we are in him, others will actually want to be a part of his family because it says in the word that he desires that everyone would come to know him and not one person would perish. So it's not about like, I'm better than they are. I'm better than you are. I'm more spiritual than you. It's simply like, no, this is the standard and this is the boundaries that my heavenly father has set for me. I live inside of those boundaries. It brings me life and peace and abundance and joy and purpose. And then people are attracted to that because people are desiring to be free. They want to be free. And so 
being set apart is not being perfect, right? But it's living with the constant awareness that we are chosen. We've given our lives over and we live within the boundaries he set for us for our lives. And the crazy thing is, is the result of this, like the result of renewing our minds in the truth of who we are in Christ, then you know what? That actually gives us the grace, which is the ability to actually live set apart, to actually live holy. So all of a sudden, like what we used to struggle with, what used to be hard for us to do the right thing or make the right decision, all of a sudden that starts to become natural. Why? Because we're simply operating out of the DNA of our spiritual father. So the next question that we might ask ourselves is, what are the loving boundaries God has given us to live in? So first of all, a word around boundaries. So I have a five-year-old daughter and I guarantee you, if I did not set some boundaries in place for her around watching TV, for instance, or having treats, um, do you think that she'd be able to manage that well by herself? Absolutely not. That would mean that we would do shows all day long and she would be playing on my phone all day long and it means that we would have chocolate for lunch. It means that we'd have ice cream for dinner and that we would go to Chick-fil-A every day for lunch. <laughs> and so she would think that would be great, at least for the first couple days. Like that would be heaven to her. But what she wouldn't realize is within a couple days or a week, she would get crabby. She would have a shorter attention span. She would be tired. She would have a tummy ache and she wouldn't be sleeping well. Like the list goes on. And of course, you know that this, this is common sense, but she has to have boundaries around these things, which in themselves are not bad, right? Watching a good show or a fun family movie, like in itself is not bad or having, enjoying treats together, like innately is not wrong, but it has to be within boundaries. Otherwise she'll get hurt. And so it's the same thing with God. Like God does not give us boundaries to punish us or to keep things from us. No, he actually gives us boundaries to empower us. Just like kids crave boundaries to feel safe, so do we. So even though Haven will never admit this until maybe she's 30 or something, she wants boundaries. She wants me to say, no, Haven, it's not time for a show. Go pick out four books that we can read together. Or no, Haven, you can't have chocolate for lunch. We're going to have a little piece of chocolate um, after you finish your food at dinner. And that will be our treat for the day or whatever it is, right? And she actually is craving for that on the inside. She just doesn't know it because she wants to know that there's boundaries within our home and that we're looking out for her best interest, not that she can do whatever she wants. Because although she would never be able to express it at five years old, she knows that when there's loving boundaries in place, when there's rules in her house, it means that she's kept safe and that she's loved. It's a way that parents show their love, just like you, if you have kids, you show your kids you love them by putting boundaries in place. If you love yourself, right, maybe you're single or you're dating someone, like you probably have boundaries within that relationship. You have boundaries for yourself. And hopefully you're saying like, yes, I'm not going to have ice cream after every meal. or I'm not going to have ice cream for every dinner because you know innately that's not good. Like it leads to harm. And we, I can't, stress this enough that God is so good. Like our father, God is so good and everything that he does, everything that he does is motivated by love. Love is not just 
one of his names. It actually is who God is love. God is love. And I know this is difficult for some of us to grasp because our perspective of love has been so broken. Our lens of love has been so tainted by those who have claimed they love us, but they hurt us. By the world's definition of love, which is usually lust, which is usually manipulation, right? But when we can have an experience with the love of God, it starts to change us. So this might be hard for you to grasp, but I just want to declare on his behalf, almost like defending my father God, that he is good and everything he does is motivated by love. So let's look at some boundaries and look back to the Garden of Eden. I love doing this in every area of life because it brings clarity and like grounding of like, okay, this is his original intent in this aspect of life. So when I look in the Garden of Eden, I see marriage. Like I see that he instituted marriage between a man and a woman. So there's one boundary. I, t- I see him um, talk about identity, that he has made man in his image, male and female, he created him in his image. And so it's pretty simple, like identity, there's either males or there's females, and both male and both female are created in the image of God, therefore they're both really, really good. Um, I, ta- I hear in the Garden of Eden when the father's talking to Adam and Eve about having dominion. Remember, it says, have dominion over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and everything that grows on the ground and everything that walks in the ground. Like, you have dominion over those things, meaning that, like, everything on the earth is for our stewardship to tend to. So, gardens, plants, agriculture, animals, like, infrastructure, all of these things are under our authority as human beings created in the image of God to make them beautiful, to steward them, to care for them. Um, I see in the garden the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Remember, God was like, okay, you can eat any tree in the garden, Adam and Eve, like go for it, have a heyday. I can only imagine that amazing produce. Like we think organic, right? When we think of healthy, we might think of organic, non-GMO, right? But that doesn't even pale in comparison. Think about the fruit and the produce in the Garden of Eden. Like, probably huge, lush, like, colorful, flavorful, fragrant. Like, oh my gosh, I just, I'm so excited for heaven (laughs) to go and eat these foods, like these beautiful, nourishing foods, the way food was originally designed to be. But anyways, I regress. The tree in the middle of the garden, God said, don't eat from that tree. And you know what? I think that I heard uh, someone teach on this recently that God would come down and he fellowship with Adam and Eve in the garden face to face. This was his whole design and intent. He wanted intimacy with you and me in the garden. And he wanted to co-labor with us. And God would come down in the garden in the cool of the day and probably eat off of that tree right in front of Adam and Eve. The very tree which God commanded Adam and Eve not to eat from. Again, this is a teaching I heard from Kevin Zadai. And God comes down and what does he do? He eats from that tree. Why? Because Adam and Eve were probably so close to the image of God that they needed a reminder that they were not God. And that can be a really 
crazy statement. That can almost sound sacrilegious. Like, what are you talking about? There's only one God and you're right, there is. But Adam and Eve were so godlike in their nature. They needed a reminder, almost like a tithe, right? That this tree was set apart for God alone because he was the only one that can handle and still can handle knowing both good and evil and always choose good. He's the only one in the universe who can carry that amount of weight and authority. And so it was really in a reminder to them that they were not God, but God was God. And it's the same thing today, like with the tithe. You know, if you um, attend church or tithe to ministry, um, this idea that like, God, what I have is not mine to begin with. And I'm just going to remind my soul, I'm going to remind my finances in my bank account that this is not my doing, that I don't own anything. You own it all. I'm going to give you back your portion that was yours to begin with out of a statement of faith and a declaration that you're the one who provides for me. I don't provide for myself and that you're going to continue to bless me and give favor on my life as I continue to trust you because it's like a really tangible act of faith to say that I am not God. I'm not provider. God, you are God. You are provider. So that's another boundary that I see he's given us in the word. And again, it's because he loves us. It's because he's good that he gives us, institutes these boundaries of tithe, for instance. Um, I see the Ten Commandments. Again, that's pretty, you know, we think of the golden rule. Treat other people how you'd want to be treat them. Do not, that's not uh, ten, in the Ten Commandments, by the way. But the idea is like, don't steal, don't kill, don't covet, right? Um, those are all great ideas to live a life that doesn't lead to destruction, right? And he's laid that out and Moses laid that out in the Ten Commandments. Um, I see talking about the New Testament as new covenant believers, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Those are some beautiful boundaries he's given us to say that, hey, just like Romans 7 says, Paul is saying, I do the things that I know I shouldn't do, but how come I don't do the things that I know I should do? Right? And there's this whole wrestle between his own desires and God's desires. Well, then Romans 8 talks about, well, I no longer am subject to living a life led by the flesh or just led by my selfish desires. But I actually have the power through Jesus to live a life through the Holy Spirit, which is, to, which is life and peace. And so a, li- a life of life and peace of the fruit of the Spirit, which is a boundary I see that God- God's given us, is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Like those are loving boundaries that he's given us as boundaries, but then he's also given us the power to actually live out those things because the Lord knows um, I cannot be kind and patient um, in my own strength for more than probably five minutes, right? 1 John 2, 15 through 16 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. Remember, we just talked about the five senses. A craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from the world. So again, God is just drawing our attention to say, hey, The craving for physical pleasure, the craving for everything that your eyes see, the craving to have pride in our own achievements and our things that we acquire, this is actually not from God, but this is from the world. 
And so when we live in the boundaries of the boundaries of marriage, the boundaries of identity, the boundaries of dominion, the boundaries of living in the, the life in step with the spirit instead of instead of ruled by what we desire or what our flesh wants, like this actually, the boundaries keep us in the love of God. And this actually leads to abundant life. Because remember, everything that God does is motivated by love. So that means every one of his boundaries are for our good and for our benefit. So as we wrap up today, let's talk quickly about what's the result when we live set apart. So like, what's the, what's the result of a holy life? Well, here's a few examples for us and a few like casting vision for living a set apart life. We will have an unusual peace about us. We will have an unusual favor about us. We will do more in less time. We will live victoriously. We will attract people into the kingdom of God and we will live in fellowship with Jesus. I want to share a quick story from Joshua And it's going to sound like a little off subject, but I promise we're going to bring it back around. It's going to make total sense when I'm done sharing this short story. So in Joshua 5, so the Israelites are in the desert, okay? They're going around and around and around in circles, not entering the promised land. And the men of war actually died. So there's a whole generation that God called into the wilderness. They escaped from Egypt. He led them into the wilderness to enter the promised land. But because they did not believe, because they kept really ignoring the way of God, the Lord kept bringing them around and around the mountain and they did not enter. So there's a whole generation that actually died in the wilderness, including the men of war died. And Joshua, this new leader after Moses died, was commanded to circumcise all the men who had been born in the desert during those 40 years. So you can imagine like one generation dies, there was a new generation that was birthed and these young men, they didn't know war because their whole life was living in the wilderness and going around and around these mountains, traveling with their families and they, the Lord was preparing them to actually take and enter into the promised land, which their dads, the the previous generation failed to do. And so the Lord was preparing this generation and the Lord was leading them through Joshua to enter into finally the promised land after 40 years. And so God commanded Joshua to circumcise all these boys who were growing into young men to circumcise them. And again, you're like, why are you talking about circumcision in this word for a series? Well, because in the Old Testament, circumcision was just a sign of being set apart. It's one of the ways that God distinguished his people from the rest. And so Joshua 5 verse 8 and 9 says, after all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp, yeah, I think, until they were healed. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. So there's a super important key that because Joshua took the step of obedience to set apart this new generation, the Lord actually says, I am going to roll away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. And so how does that apply to us, to you and me? When we live set apart lives, God says that, hey, you are my child. I have favor on you and I'm going to roll away the shame of the last season. I'm going to roll away the shame 
of your past, the shame of when you were living like a slave, when you were not receiving my love, when you got into trouble, when you were living in bondage, I'm going to roll away the shame of that. I think that's such a beautiful picture and one of the benefits of living a set apart life. But then here's the next thing. It doesn't end there. The next chapter. So in Joshua 6, the Israelites enter into the promised land and they take over the city of Jericho. And God, if you're familiar with this uh, awesome story, the Lord commands the Israelite people to march around the walls of Jericho, this huge city, this huge compound for seven days. And after the seventh day, they had this huge shout of praise and all these instruments and noise and the walls miraculously fell down. And so again, like what is the correlation between the walls of Jericho falling down for the Israelites after being set apart in you and me. Well, recognizing and living by faith that we are set apart leads us to being unashamed and victorious. That's it. Like unashamed and victorious. He gives us a new name, a new inheritance, and a new nature. So that's what being set apart. First, we have to receive it by faith, right? And then we enter into this journey of living set apart. And in this journey, he gives us a new name. He gives us a new inheritance, just like he gave the children of Israel who were born in the desert a whole new inheritance. What their fathers failed to do, they received because they chose to obey. And he gave them a new nature. And so what does it look like to live set apart? Like, again, let's get practical Um, In the 21st century, in 2021, like, what does it look like to live set apart? And these are lists of things that um, I have been on a journey in that I see, like, practically applying the word of God. And I know there's more, okay, but I'm just going to read off this list for you. What does it look like to live set apart? Well, we have a different measurement of success, And this is something I've been on a journey very intensely in the last year, as I've shared about in this podcast of like really coming to this point of my success looks different than the world, what the world says. My success isn't necessarily um, by numbers. It's not by popularity. It's not by how great I look. It's by, am I being obedient? Am I hearing his voice and obeying it? Um, am I loving others around me like I love myself? And it's really humbling, but I'm telling you, like starting to lean into understanding that my success looks different than those who are living in the world is really free. Um, what we watch and listen to might be different. So again, like we're careful about what we're listening to, what we're letting fill our minds, what we're seeing with our eyes. Um, We Sabbath, just like tithing, right? Like setting apart finances and setting apart certain times where we're like, okay, I know I could get more done maybe in this amount of time, but I'm actually going to give this time to you, Lord. I'm actually going to give these finances back to you because it's a statement of faith of saying that I am not God and you can do more through me that I could ever do by myself. And P.S., stay tuned because we are going to be um, talking, doing a podcast all about Sabbath, which I'm so excited to bring to you. So stay tuned for more on that. Um, We have a lifestyle of fasting. Again, prayer and fasting. It's just this whole idea of temperance. Like I'm not controlled by what my body tells me I want or I need. We place our value on the eternal over the physical. 
So I think of relationships. Like we put a um, a value, a high value on our relationships because those things are eternal. Like the kind of house I live in and the car I drive, those things are not going to last forever. But how I pour into my kids, my husband, my friends, my neighborhood, like those, those things will last forever. We steward relationships well. We speak from faith. We use our words to build each other up. And we live by faith, not by sight. So again, in wrapping up, I just want to encourage you, just like Joshua and the Israelites, like the Lord, he wants to roll away the shame of your past. And I want to encourage you that his arms are open wide to welcome you into the family of God. And he's chosen you to be set apart and to be put on display for his glory. Again, being set apart, living a holy life is not about checking off a religious checklist. It's about displaying his glory. It's about saying, God, your way is the best way and I want your way in my life. It's about displaying his goodness and displaying his glory. And so I'm just going to pray for you real quick and then we'll wrap up. Father, I thank you so much for every one of my precious sisters tuning in today. Lord, I thank you that you're stirring inside of each one of them a desire to live set apart which really means a desire to live in intimate relationship with you. And so I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, that you would show them the areas of their life that you are inviting them to live set apart, whether it's in their finances or their relationships or their health um, or any other area. I thank you that you're bringing practical ideas and examples to their minds of ways they can say and trust you in a deeper way in those areas. I thank you, God, that you are good and that you're rolling away and erasing the shame of their past and giving them glimpses of their destiny in you. Like you say in Psalm 139, 16, the books that you have written about them, God, thank you for continuing to reveal to them day by day the amazing things that you have already planned so that they can walk in them. You are good and we bless you in Jesus name. Amen. So again, thank you so much for listening. Remember to rate and review an Apple Music. That is how women get a hold of this life-giving message. It means so much to me when you leave reviews. So I know what sort of topics are resonating most with you. Make sure to tag me at Well Women Co. Let me know where you're listening in from. Um, rate and review on Apple Music. And head over to wellwomenco.com for other resources. Make sure to grab your free six steps to a miracle morning guide. I'm telling you, if you want to live set apart, this free short ebook is going to help you do that on a daily basis. Get super practical and nitty gritty. So again, I so appreciate you sisters. Remember, you are worthy of being well and I can't wait to chat with you next time.